You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your naturally platinum blonde pop culture connoisseur. I'm the reality TV junkie, self-improvement addict, and host with only the hottest tea spilled fresh all week long. Those balls have gotten you into trouble, though. Oh, you yeah. They picked us because we're horny. Yeah. Right. And that's your chronic state. That's 24-7. My life has changed so much that it's almost like a completely different life. From the latest news on The Real Housewives. I'm so happy to be here and engage with you. Deep dives into celebrity legal scandals and unfiltered convos with your favorite stars. I've got you covered. And yes, I always keep receipts. Welcome on in, welcome on in, welcome on in, everybody. I hope you had a lovely holiday weekend. Maybe you had it with, you know, you spiked a little hot cocoa and were watching like the holiday over the weekend. Maybe you were getting lit. Maybe you were like me and you were just stirring the pot at the family drama, the family dinner, the family, uh, the family dinner table. I definitely stirred up some, some stuff at the family dinner table. I went off on my stepmother and I was very proud of finally doing so because I have been waiting all of my life. She hasn't even been in my life all of my life, but she finally got a piece of my mind. She got a piece of meat. She got a piece of roast beef that was just chucked right at her direction. And God, did it feel so good. Um, Yeah. So on that note, I hope you guys are having a wonderful start to your week. I know we're in that limbo week, that in between, between like the Christmas Hanukkah weekend and the new year. And it's just like the week that like nobody wants to show up to work. Like nobody wants to do anything interesting or productive today. And I had to drag myself on camera and on microphone today for you because I love you. And because I love breaking down all of the Jen Shaw drama. It is great. I'm a living life. I'm living vicariously through Jen Shaw getting locked up. So I hope you guys are ready for the new year. I hope you're, you're fully stocked on some no-filter wine. Our fizzy white wines are a perfect replacement to champagne because they are 13% alcohol by volume, but less than a gram of sugar. It is a fizzy white wine. It is yummy. It is delicious. We also have the rosé if you prefer a fizzy rosé. We have the rosé all day. Hey! So right now I have out, I always make it nice our fizzy white holiday wine. Um, and it's delicious and it's available at nofilterwine.com. So go to nofilterwine.com, stock up, 13% alcohol by volume, but less than a gram of sugar. It's available right now. Must be 21 or older to order. Please sip responsibly, but let's ring in the new year right, yo. Nofilterwine.com. Go right now. And if you do have some, hopefully you drank some over the holidays and like send me pictures and tag me, you guys, at Just Plain Zach, at No Filter with Zach. Just Plain Zach is my personal handle. No Filter is the No Filter handle. Um, but tag me because I like to get tagged. Uh, and I like, you know, when when you give me validation by saying, I bought your wine. And I'm like, yeah, see, stepmom, I'm important in the world. Um, okay. So there's also a new Real Housewives of Miami recap that is now out on the Ringer Reality TV podcast. So you can tune into that now. They come out every Tuesday on the Ringer Reality TV podcast. Go to Spotify, subscribe now, and get my thoughts on Lenny Hockstein and Lisa Hockstein and Alexia versus Julia. We finally made Julia interesting. And, you know, Alexia is just out there beating up all the piñatas and, and beating down all the Russian hookers. So go tune into that right now. All right, let's dive in. I know last week the feds, the feds are ready for Jen Shaw, okay? They want her to serve 10 years in federal prison, and they're like, listen, Judge Stein, we're bringing the receipts, okay? 
So ahead of Jen Shaw's January 6th sentencing, the U.S. government is responding to Jen Shaw's brief from, what, two weeks ago earlier this month where she was like, Judge, I only want three years in prison because I'm a good girl. I'm actually a doting wife and a mother and a sister and a brother. And I'm a woman and I'm a woman of color and I support all the gays and the mentally disabled and the physically disabled and the homeless and the toothless and all, all the elderly people. They need me to drive them to their doctor's appointments. And she gave us all 55 pages about why she's Mother Teresa. And Jen said that it wouldn't do the community much service to lock her up and that it would be expensive to house her in prison because it's not expensive to house other felons in prison, only her, even though she costs the same amount. And, you know, she's a pillar in the community and she loves the gays and she helps all the gays and the marginalized communities and the mentally disabled and the physically disabled and everyone in her immediate family and her extended family and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The government is like, nope, sorry, not today, Judge Stein. We want her to serve 10 years in federal prison. And they filed their own brief, which they only needed 22 pages to do in comparison to Jen Shaw's 55-page brief. Though they did drop 300 pages of receipts. We have victim letters. We have text messages. We have emails, like all of it. These people, these co-conspirators, as they're listed in throughout the brief, the co-conspirators, including Stuart Smith, were definitely keeping receipts on Jen Shaw because they knew that she was shady. So they have text messages and emails and everything that they could possibly need to lock her up. So today, let's recap some of the best parts and some of the best receipts that are revealed in this 22-page brief. So for starters, so we'll go, they lay out their entire case as to why they believe Jen Shaw deserves 10 years. So we're just going to go through the entire brief, or at least a summarized version of the brief. The, the, well, actually, they're not allegations anymore. I almost said the allegations, but what their claims are. They're not allegations anymore because Jen Shaw has pled guilty to them in front of a judge. So this is no longer alleged. It is real and she is a criminal. Okay. So for starters, they're very clear that they believe Jennifer Shaw was the leader of this telemarketing fraud scheme, preying on victims 55 and older, and that her crew was knowingly selling them fake business services. They were coaching services. So they would get leads, which were personal contact information on these vulnerable people, these elderly people. Then they would run sales floors that would pitch them on why they should invest their money, as in their savings, their retirement, you know, credit cards, whatever, invest their money to make more money from home. So knowing the entire time that there was little to no benefit for any of these people. It was a quick cash grab. We're going to sell them, you know, fake business leads or sorry, we're going to sell them fake business services and fake products or bogus products. And we're going to get their money and we're going to keep billing them and we're going to keep trying to upcharge them to continue to milk them for everything that they have. So after they got their initial commitment, then they would then move their contact information to an upsell floor to further harass them with like a barrage of phone calls, requesting more money and more coaching services to help them even further. You know, well, you're not making money now because you're not doing this. This is what you really need to succeed. If you want to be Shaw amazing, here's how. And so they would keep upselling them to keep giving them, you know, different pieces of this seemingly puzzle, you know, to help them reach success from home even though it was more like a jigsaw puzzle and they didn't give them all the pieces and they were selling them pieces from other puzzles. 
They claim that Jen Shaw ran the Manhattan sales floor where she'd sell people these bogus products and services. So she initially started with two companies that she worked at, Thrive Learning and Guidance Interactive. And this started back in 2012. And I believe she stopped working with them around 2016. However, she continued running the scheme. So in 2013, the FTC started cracking down on some of the deceptive business practices that were going on with some of the companies that Jen Shaw was affiliated with, and they were catching on to what these people were doing. In 2015, Jen testified to the FTC verifying her role in providing leads at Thrive, but she wasn't fully transparent with them, nor was she honest about the money that she was making with them or to the IRS. So the FTC was basically coming to shut down on some of these sales floors for conning people into buying these bogus products and services. Then come 2016, that's when they claimed that Jen started to cover her tracks. So now she's starting to catch on that the things that are happening are not so kosher and these are a little shady and we need to make sure we, we cover our ass. So whereas before, you know, she was getting her money via direct deposit from Thrive and Guidance because she didn't run these companies, but she was working for them. And so initially they were paying her via direct deposit and she then told them, nope, I don't want this money coming directly to me. So start paying me in cash and I'll make the deposits or I'll make it rain. I'll make it amazing for my family. But pay me in cash now. Anytime anybody says, don't do a direct deposit, don't give me a check, don't do a transfer, give me cash. You already know it's shady. So 2016, Jen's like, I want cash. When the FTC got more strict with Guidance, which was the second company that she was working with, they then broke up the scheme into two new companies. They broke it up into Red Steel, which ran the sales, and then another company called Learning Systems, which handled fulfillment. What were they fulfilling? Nobody really knows because nobody, none of the victims seemed fulfilled by the end of this. They felt milked. So we're trying to cover our tracks, and if this whole thing is a plate of spaghetti, and this whole plate of spaghetti is illegal, then you know what? Let's move the pasta onto this plate, and let's move the meatballs over onto this other plate, and let's just break it up and serve it as two new plates, right? That way it doesn't look like spaghetti and meatballs because it's spaghetti and then meatballs. She was, like, really trying to to try and conceal what she was doing, along with, you know, all these other people. And we'll get into all the other people too. So this is also when Jen instructed some of her co-conspirators to switch the names of the bank accounts and to switch over their communication from text messages to an encrypted messaging app. So at this point, she knows that what she's doing is wrong and shady. And now she's making attempts to cut the paper trail and start muddying the water so the FTC can't come down on her and they can't track a lot of this stuff to her. We're paying her in cash. We're taking her names off of the banks and we're putting other people's names on multiple bank accounts. That way, everything starts to look a little messy at this point. So while the FTC is out suing Thrive and Guidance for their shady business practices, Jen Shaw and Stuart Smith are meanwhile operating the scheme now under Red Steel in in new sales floors out in Jersey, Washington, Nevada, and Utah. Remember when she was like, I don't know that New York Jen Shaw. I only know the Utah Jen Shaw, and the Utah Jen Shaw was a good girl. Well, it seems like she wasn't that good of a girl. Girl. And then this is when she decided that she was going to open up her own sales floor out in Manhattan. So Thrive and Guidance are getting sued by the FTC. They're starting to really crack down on these types of business 
opportunity schemes. And so she's like, listen, y'all do y'all business over there. I'm going to go and open up my own sales floor in Manhattan and I'm going to do my own thing. And this is when the other Jen Shaw came out, right? Because the, there was a tale of two Jen Shaws and that was the argument that she tried to make that these were two completely different people, you know, two different Jen Shaws. And we don't know who this other Jen Shaw is, but we know that the good Jen Shaw in, in Salt Lake City in Utah, you know, she was a doting wife and a mother and a daughter and a sister and social justice warrior. So she now opens up her sales floor in Manhattan, and this time she opens it under the name Mastery Pro Group, a.k.a. MGP. So first we have Thriving Guidance, and then we have Red Steel, and then we have, what was the other one called? Learning Systems. And now we have Mastery Pro Group, a.k.a. MGP. Which also tells us, like, if you're continuing to move the scheme from one business to another business to another business to another business, and you're breaking it up into multiple businesses, that's how you know you're also doing something shady. So they claim that beginning in 2017, the defendant not only controlled the flow of leads from Red Steel through coaching and tax floors onto her own marketing upsell floor, she also directly supervised the salespeople at MPG who spent all day, every day, lying to the victims and telling them that they could earn money through their internet business if they purchased these products and services of little or no value, such as the website and marketing services. The defendant also supervised sales, addressed victim complaints, and directed salespeople when to issue refunds in order to avoid scrutiny by the FTC or state attorneys general. So they're claim they're outlining all the things that Jen Shaw, the defendant, as she's named here, was doing and how she was a part of this scheme. They're saying that she was very much in control of it by 2016, 2017. They also provide text messages where Jen Shaw acknowledges that their drop shipping services made it insanely challenging for victims to make money. So she knew what she was doing. She knew exactly what she was doing. They were defrauding people or they were at very least, if we don't want to use the term defrauding, then we can say she was selling people fake business opportunities and milking them for everything that they had, like down to the last penny, which is why in 2017, when other people related to the scheme, to the scheme were starting to get arrested, Jen then advised Stuart Smith to work from home and keep their computers out of the company offices so that if the feds ever came to the offices to seize anything, they couldn't get their hands on any of the actual evidence because those computers wouldn't actually be at the office. So, you know, she knew at some point they were going to be turning their attention on NPG. If all these other people are getting arrested and these other companies are getting shut down by the FTC, she knew at some point that it would likely turn on her. Meanwhile, she would joke about taking advantage of all of these elderly victims or just vulnerable people. One woman requested a refund, and they have Jen's text messages. And in one of her text messages, text messages in particular, it read, Do we need a refund, this lady? Or is she done crying and ready to move forward? Reyes, are you losing your touch with the ladies? So here she's telling Reyes, like, why are you not continuing to charge this woman's credit card? Because now people, once they were starting to catch on to the fact that, like, they were being sold these bogus services and products, then they were like, okay, I want my money back. I Or sometimes they would call up their credit card companies and have a charge back so that the money would get reversed back onto their credit cards. Or sometimes, I guess, some banks would uh, would do that as well. It really depends on the policy at your bank or your credit card company. 
credit card carrier. But so here she's acknowledging that people want refunds. And she's like, or is she done crying and ready to move forward? Ready to move forward is in ready to buy the next service in this coaching package. She also started moving her operations from Red Steel and MPG out of the U.S. and over to Kosovo to avoid payments that were coming in. Go, or to avoid getting caught and flagged by the feds. And she was starting to have the payments that were coming in now sent to those accounts in Kosovo as well, rather than their U.S. bank accounts. So she was very much trying to, to maneuver things around. There's also a text message where she talks about Coach Shaw and how she wasn't able to like discuss something with him because I think he was out of town or he had to leave for some reason. And so it kind of makes it seem like Coach Shaw was at least somewhat aware of what she was kind of sort of doing. I'm curious if that's how they ultimately got her to take a plea deal is because maybe they were trying to now loop in Coach Shaw because he definitely seemed to be aware of some stuff. At the end of the day, they didn't really want Coach Shaw. He wasn't fully complicit in what was going on. Jen Shaw was. She's the one that they actually want since they claim that she's the leader. She also started opening other companies seemingly shell companies from the way I interpreted this, but she was opening up other companies in Wyoming because that's where laws aren't as strict and they could conceal who owned the companies and who operated the companies. So also super sketchy. She also started going by the name Becky White to communicate with her team via Telegram, the encrypted messaging app. So she was telling them, let's not do things over text message. Let's not do things over emails. She was directing people on to delete certain emails if she did send something via email. And now we were only communicating via Telegram, which could not be traced. It was an encrypted messaging app. So if they delete the messages, they could be gone for good. It wasn't something that you could pull back up. And instead of using Jennifer Shaw or Jen Shaw, her name on Telegram was Becky White. She was Becky with the good hair. It was good hair because she was stealing it from all these elderly people. She told Stu to delete sales scripts from their from their Google Drive and to delete text messages from his phone. That way, should they ever get caught, should they ever have to turn over evidence, none of this evidence would exist, right? Because it's been deleted. It's gone. How would they find anything if they don't have access to anything? She even had her name taken off the MPG accounts, bank accounts, and she made sure that she got she was getting paid in cash again, similar to like what was going on with Thrive. But now she's essentially running MPG, but she doesn't have her name on the bank accounts and is making sure that Stu gets her payments to her in cash. She also had she still had access to the company credit card where she was running up the charges on the company credit card, which was being paid for with the victim's money that they were scamming. So just because you call yourself Becky and you collect your payments in cash doesn't mean you're actually innocent, Jen Shaw. We know who you are, Becky with the good hair, soon to be Becky with the bad hair because she's going to be in prison and she's not going to be able to get it blown out anymore. She's not going to have glam anymore. (sighs) Becky, Becky, Becky. It doesn't matter how many Chanel bags you borrow, you will never be a lady. So Jen and her team would push these victims to max out their credit cards. They would actually speak to the credit card companies and like would try to help these elderly people request uh, request credit line extensions or just help them spread their payments over multiple cards, trying to cheat any chargebacks because that would make it more difficult. So instead of charging one credit card on file, let's charge one, uh, let's charge a smaller price here, a smaller price here, and a smaller price there. And then what are they going to do? Call all three different credit card companies and try to get a chargeback on all three different credit cards? 
Now, they were literally trying to max these people out of their retirements, out of their savings, out of whatever they had in their bank accounts, and then max them out of their credit. Like, it's insane. Like, how do you have, how do you request, like, if you see that somebody isn't able to pay for what they have, like, how do you then request them to just put it on more credit cards? How do you push them to get a an extended line of credit and then, like, actually get on the phone to try and help them broker that extended line of credit with their credit card companies? It's wild. And when she wasn't happy with the amount of money that her team was bringing in, then she'd come in and run the operation herself. And so they have another message from her where she says, I'm coming in to set appointments for these guys tomorrow. Please get my 24 karat gold headset with diamond encrusted mouthpiece ready. Poppy needs new money for the weekend and a co-conspirator needs baby mama money. I mean, she really had no shame. She was fully aware of what she was doing. Culture, society, on every street and around every bend lies a world positively overflowing with both. But sometimes we can all use a night in, removed from the endless spiral of chaos and absolute nonsense that waits outside our doors. And for those nights, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop local stores and compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get your favorite drinks delivered to your door in under 60 minutes. All from the comfort of your couch. Because society is great, but it doesn't have your couch. And it's windy out. And you forgot your jacket. And oh my god, would you look at the line at that place? Are you serious? I... (sighs) So download the Drizzly app. Or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Then we get to 2018. And in 2018, Stuart Smith was now being subpoenaed for his connection to another shady coaching floor that he and Jen would provide leads for. So Jen told Stuart not to bring her name up in the testimony, and she even tried to coach him on what he was, what he should say and what he shouldn't say when he was being investigated or when he was being questioned. So she gave them a whole Q&A list to practice and told him, you know, delete the email with the Q&A list. That way they can't find this later. That way, And that way it can't be traced back to her. She even waited outside of the courtroom for him until he was done giving his testimony just to make sure any everything was good and see if he needed anything. So they claimed that Jen and Stu continue to run their business opportunity scheme throughout 2019, throughout 2020, all the way up until 2021. Meanwhile, some of their other co-conspirators were being arrested and charged for their role in this scheme. And so just because they were involved in other companies and involved in other parts, they were still trying to keep an eye on things. And the government claims that Jen Shaw was very much keeping up with what was going on with these other cases and these other co-conspirators because they have the text messages and the emails verifying that Jen was very much in the loop of what was going on with them. And that's why she was making tweaks within her own business to make sure she didn't get caught too. So it seems that there may have been tension with Stewart, though, in 2019, because apparently some money in one of their bank accounts went missing. 
which is then when she prompted to open a new bank account under other people's names. So she would go to them and be like, oh my God, I think you know somebody's stealing money from us. It's safer if we open up new bank accounts in other people's names. That way, you know, people, if they're trying to steal from me, they can't steal from me if it's in your name. And so she would con people into opening up other bank accounts where they could continue to shuffle the money around. And one of those people that she convinced to open up a bank account is her aunt. So here she is not only conning all of these random elderly people, but she's even getting her aunt to jump in on the scheme. And she started a new company called Monetized Data Solutions. I mean, this woman is, is truly something else. And remember, 2000, or 2019 was the same year that she began filming Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. And this is where she claimed in her brief, remember, that she reinvented herself as a glamorous Real Housewife of Salt Lake City. Well, yeah, because the feds were now starting to breathe down your back. So you kind of needed to pivot in some way because you knew at some point they would be coming down on you. So it seems like in 2018, 2017, 2018, 2019, this is when she was looking for a way out. She was trying to find another sort of, you know, business to pivot over to. It also seems like this is when she started as she was joining uh, Housewives. She was starting to launch her lash business and launch her beauty skincare business. And she was launching all these other businesses, which were seemingly shell companies, but also seeming to be a front for her money laundering scheme that she was being accused of as well. Now, obviously, she wasn't charged with conspiracy to commit money laundering after all, because that charge was dropped when she agreed to plead guilty to conspiracy to commit wire fraud. And since this whole time, you know, she was getting paid in cash and she wasn't including a lot of her income on her tax returns, the IRS was now starting to get a little worried about her as well. And so after she was arrested in 2021, she claims that she didn't know or work with any of her co-conspirators. She was like, ew, criminals? Ew, David, I don't know them. And then they bring in her post-arrest behavior. So they're like, okay, she was arrested and she lied and she said she didn't know anything. And she, you know, was crying because her contacts were dry. And, you know, she claims that she wasn't arrested, that we just brought her in just to have a little chat with her. But she wasn't actually, you know, in jail. So they talk about her public proclamation of her innocence. On television, in interviews, they bring up her tagline and saying that she's basically making a mockery of all of this stuff with her tagline. The only thing I'm guilty of is being shamazing, which is just wild and delusional, right? Like the fact that she even said that on television as her tagline, then she was selling her not guilty and justice for Jen merch. So not even so much focused on her time on Real Houses of Salt Lake City, but mainly on her behavior and the mockery that she was making of, of the case is really what the government, that was the angle that they tried to come in with. Then they get into the victims and they clarified that many of the victims were older, widows. Some, many of them were confused by the scheme, yet they were being tricked into giving $30,000, $40,000. I believe one victim even gave up to a, or over, not even up to over one hundred grand, racking up debt because Jen's team was instructing them to do so because eventually they're supposed to, at some point, they're going to make a return on their investment. There's going to be an ROA down the, down the line. But if you're not seeing it now, it's because you need this service. And if you're not seeing it now, it's because you need this or you need that. It was wild. Um, One of them even discusses how she became homeless after she racked up $30,000 in credit card debt. 
The government also breaks down the scheme into five different tiers with nearly 30 different players that were involved. And in tier A, which is the top tier, we see Jen Shaw's name right at the top of the list with Stuart Smith and five other people. But Jen was right at the top, number one spot, right at the head of all of this. And they've been investigating, again, this is, these are the feds, and they've been investigating her for many, many years. Her name has been floating with all of these people since at least 2012. So if they're putting her at the top of the list, it's because they really believe that she belongs at the top of the list. And so only two of the other Tier A defendants have been sentenced so far. One of them is Carl Morris. He was sentenced to six and a half years in prison. And then we have Ryan Holt, who was sentenced to five years in in prison. So Jen and Stewart are currently awaiting their sentencing. Jen will be on on January 6th. And then Stewart is TBD at the moment. I don't think anybody knows when his official sentencing date is. I'm assuming it's also going to be sometime in January, similar to Jen's. The government wants Jen to serve 10 years, and then they outline why. And they have, what is it, four, three, three core reasons as to why they believe she deserves 10 years. One being she was the, the key, they claim that she was the key ringleader of a multi-million dollar nationwide scheme that victimized elderly and vulnerable people, and that 10 years is necessary to adequately reflect the na- to the nation the seriousness of the defendant's conduct. Then they continue by saying the need to deter the defendant from committing additional crimes was their second reason. So they reference how she would dodge the FTC investigation. So they're like, they're like, we're not confident that she wouldn't commit more crimes if she served less time. She would continue to conceal some of her alleged money laundering or wire fraud practices that she was committing, this whole scheme that she was running. So they were like, mm, she was making tweaks for nearly a decade, we don't trust that she's not going to commit any more crimes. And then their third reason is that they feel that it would send a message to other people that would be interested in running a similar scheme. So they're like, we're going to make an example out of her. We're going to show people that this is not okay. This is very serious. Her conduct is not okay. It's not appropriate. She's likely going to commit more crimes because she's been essentially on the run and committing these crimes for a very long time. And... They also say that a lot of what she claimed in her brief was entirely baseless, that a lot of the claims that she was making either had no relation to her actual case or were just flat out lies. They said that she misleadingly implies that she only participated in criminal conduct for the last three years. And to be clear, the defendant joined the conspiracy in 2012. The defendant's communications, her control of a bank account in her aunt's name, and information from cooperating witnesses conclusively established that the defendant remained part of the scheme until it, she was arrested in 2021. They also clap back at the claim that she's different from the other fraudsters because she had no direct communication with the victims like they did, which is also not true. They make it very clear that the instructions came from her. So maybe she wasn't necessarily the one on the day-to-day making the phone calls herself, but she was calling the shots. They also claim that she was never personally targeted, or that they also um, combat claims that she was never personally targeted by the FTC, and they say that that's because she went through very great lanes to try and conceal her involvement. 
you know, the bank account in, in other people's names, the companies in Wyoming, the accounts over in Kosovo, the encrypted messaging app, her going by the name Becky White. So they're like, yeah, it took us a while to get to her because she was jumping through all these other hoops to try and make sure we couldn't catch on to her. But eventually, Becky White got caught. She cl- I, I love that she called herself Becky White, like Betty White, who was an elderly woman that everybody loved, and she was good at conning people, so of course she's going to steal the name from Betty White and call herself Becky White. We see you, bitch. We see you. <sighs> she claimed that she was wrongly placed in Tier A. However, the government was like, mm, well then, okay, if you think that we wrongly placed you in Tier A, then why didn't you clarify which tier was more appropriate for you to be placed in? Mm, is it because you can't? And they also ask why she never listed a single person that she can claim operated at a higher level than herself. They're like, she says that she wasn't at the top of this scheme, but who was? Who was at the top of this scheme? Who is she claiming? Because everybody else is claiming it was her. So who is she claiming was above her and, and instructing her to do all of this? Then in in Jen's brief, she compared herself to um, Rajat Gupta and David Blasik, who were convicted of insider trading, which the government clarifies. Like, it's cute that she wants to compare herself to these other criminals that were committing insider trading and benefiting off of insider trading. However, insider trading is very different than preying on senior citizens to cash them out of their retirement money. She was not insider trading. She was full-on conning people in a telemarketing scheme and money laundering, but they never moved forward with their money laundering charges. So that's those are all still that's all still just you know one big allegation that they dropped in the charges. Also, while she references her husband and children and how they need her because she's a wife and she's a mother, the government is like, listen. It's cute that she wants to drag her family into this, but it it bears no merit here because because Coach Shaw is perfectly fine. He's able to provide for the boys. He's in good health. He doesn't need Jen to take care of him. And their children are essentially grown. And they make it clear to the judge. One of them is currently in medical school and the other one is heading to college in the fall. So they're actually okay and they don't need their mother. They're of age where they can now get jobs and take care of themselves. They're very clear. Jen was putting her own liberty at risk and that it would hurt. And she it, she knew that it would hurt those closest to her if she were ever caught. The harm the defendant has caused to her own family through her choices and her actions should not incur to benefit at her sentencing, especially when balanced against the horrific outcomes for the victims of her conduct. Also, which she doesn't really seem to have much remorse for or empathy for, You know, she says, like, I'm sorry, but it's like, "Mm, you're really just sorry that you got caught. And then you're kind of like, but I didn't really do it. I didn't really know what I was doing. These other people were doing it. I was just kind of along for the ride. That was the other Jen Shaw. (sighs) And then they top it all off with this. The defendant had a spouse who made a very good living. She had no need to commit the crime to support herself or her family. She did it out of pure greed. Jen Shaw said, you can't do this to me. I'm innocent. And the government said, or what? Or what? So to the Honorable Sidney H. Stein, on behalf of all the gays that Jen Shaw claims need her, I would like to say, lock her up. That is me throwing down the gavel. Lock her up. 
Lock her up. Lock her up. This is my gavel that Emily D. Baker gave me. So you know, this is a serious gavel. And when I bang it, it is some serious shit. Lock her up. (sighs) So that is what their briefing actually claims. They also have, like I said, 300 pages of evidence against her. They have all of the witness statements where they're claiming that, um, you know, that they were not only defrauded, but, you know, they explain how their life was basically left in shambles as a result of this. I read them live on YouTube last week. I don't know. I don't know if we want to read them again today. Um, they're pretty long and they have all the text messages there. All of this is available publicly. So if anybody does want to go through them, it is a lot of information. A lot of the victims, like I said, they're in their like 60s, 70s, 80s, like they're elderly people. Many of them had lost their spouses. Many of them were empty nesters. They were trying to, you know, either continue to make money to support their kids or just to you know, support themselves, or I think they were just bored and they're like, yeah, I'm good and I'm taking care of and I'm retired, but I kind of want something more. And if I can make more money from home, like that sounds like a sweet deal. She talks about how, or sorry, the government talks about how a lot of the feds, um, or sorry, a lot of the victims were claiming to have become suicidal, uh, riddled with anxiety. Like they really get into detail about what they were feeling, Um, We did read one of them on Friday's Live, and I know one of them, Robert, where he was like talking about how he's like afraid of people now and he can't leave his house and he, you know, basically can't get out of bed anymore. And I was like, oh, my God, Robert is doing the most. And then some people in the live chat were like, well, yeah, she stole money from him. She he should do the most. And I agree. Like, Robert should do the most. Like, right now, you're trying to get your money back, and you're trying to get the bitch locked up. Like, yes, I agree. Do the most. If she's over here helping all the homeless and toothless, then I agree. Let your victim impact statements. Really let the judge know that she really hurt and impacted you. And so I'm sorry for saying that Robert was a bit was being a bit dramatic. Um, I mean, to be his letter was a little dramatic. I'm not going to lie. I stand by that. It was very dramatic. But I understand the drama and the theatrics were warranted. And maybe that really is how he feels. And maybe he really can't get out of bed and ever trust anybody ever again for the rest of his life. So there you go. There is the Jen Shaw of it all. Jen Shaw, lock her up. Curious what you guys think. Do you think that 10 years is sufficient? Obviously, we know she was facing up to 14 years, so it's unlikely that the the judge will give her any more than 14. It's also unlikely that the judge is going to give her any more than 10. Um, I mean, it is possible, like, you know, the other tier A co-conspirators, they were landing in the five to six and a half year uh, sentencing. So it's possible that she could also fall within that. It's possible that she does get less than 10 years, but it's very, very, very unlikely that she only gets three years. And the government makes that clear in their statements as well, that like, there's no reason she should get the three years that she's asking for. They're like, that's total bogus. There's no evidence to support that, you know, she'd, operated at a lower level like she's claiming and they're like and if there is something that she would like to say if there is somebody that they feel was higher in the rankings and like we would really like to know and she couldn't provide any of that and she didn't provide any of that if anything her whole 55 page briefing was really just more of um to to fluff up her character and to talk about what a good person she is but the government's like it doesn't matter what a good person you think you are these are all of the things that you actually did So these are the reasons you deserve this time in prison. Not because you're a good person. If you're a good person, that's great. If you were such a good person, you wouldn't have committed the crime. Commit the crime, do the time. 
So we'll see what happens. January 6th coming up. It's what? Is that next week or the week after? Next week is is New Year, is the new year. And got a text. Just got a text from a boy. Um, so next, oh, it's next Friday. Friday. So next Friday, we will see 2.30 p.m. Eastern time. So 30, 12.30, 11.30 Pacific. So 11.30 my time next Friday. Maybe we'll go live. Let me know if you want to do a live on Instagram or on the YouTube, and we'll go live and cover the sentencing. Well, actually, I don't think we'll be able to cover much, but maybe we'll do a live after the sentencing is out and maybe I'll get another reporter similar to like when she pled guilty. I'll see if I can get another reporter on the line to call in and give us an update and a briefing of what went down in the courthouse and what like her raw reaction was, all of that stuff. Maybe we can invite Justin Paperni back on the podcast. Maybe we invite Emily D. Baker back on the podcast. I love and adore both Justin and Emily. So if you're interested, I can hit them up and see if they want to come back. And if there are any guests or topics that you really want me to cover in the new year, 2023, let's go, let's get it. And let's, let's let me know. Drop a comment below. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, then please leave me a five-star rating. If you're enjoying the podcast, I appreciate them. They help the show in the rankings and I love and appreciate you. Thank you guys for a wonderful year. Well, I guess we have one more episode. Our, our Thursday Night Live will be uploaded on the podcast this Friday, which is the 30th. Oh, wow. So the 30th will be our last episode of the new year. So we'll celebrate the new year then. So I won't get into the, oh, happy new year. I won't get into all of that now. But um, yeah, have a great rest of your week. Have a great rest, rest of your hump day. I will see you live on Thursday for our Thirsty Thursday Night recaps. We have Book Club, which is no longer Book Club. I think we're now officially renaming it the Zach Pack Weekly Unpack. So we will be unpacking a new topic every Tuesday night live on Instagram at No Filter with Zach and on YouTube at Just Plain Zach on the YouTube, youtube.com slash Just Plain Zach. So stay tuned for that. Get ready for it. Let's get it, get it, get it. And... And throw them hips, girl. Pump, 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 pump. Let's get it, get it, get it. And oh, so every Tuesday will be our our, our Zach Pack Weekly Unpack. This Tuesday or uh, this week, you're listening to this on Wednesday, but on Tuesday we wrapped up part two of the Meghan Markle documentary. So if you have any suggestions of what you want future unpacks to be what you want us to unpack on Tuesday nights, be it a book, a celebrity book, or a documentary. Let me know and we will break into it and we will do our full fact or fiction, myth busting, tea spilling Tuesday night sessions. If you want to keep up with me, you can keep up with me personally at Just Plain Zach all over the internet or you can keep up with the podcast at No Filter with Zach on Instagram. New episodes drop on Apple and Spotify and anywhere you get your podcasts every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So be sure to subscribe, get ready, and don't forget to stock on No Filter Wine at NoFilterWine.com. All right, guys. Love you mean it and i will talk to you later this week all right ciao for now Bye.